0: You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello. We'd love to connect. Well, uh, good morning, Fano. It's a real honor to be able to share with you today. And if we haven't met, it's a particular honor to have you with us. My name is Pete, and I'm the campus pastor here at Elam in Belfast, and, and uh, we are right in the middle. As a campus, we follow teaching segments, teaching series, uh, but we've actually got five weeks where, uh, where we don't have a series planned, and so for us here in Belfast, I want to take five weeks just to begin a journey and for many of us continue a journey into the ministry and the things of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this message I want to, I've titled Unseen But Not Forgotten. Unseen But Not Forgotten. I wonder, in fact, I suspect that every person here uh, has somewhere in their home a pile of papers. And that pile of papers, if I had to guess, is probably in your dining room or in your lounge or on the bench or, or on the mantelpiece. And the purpose of that pile of papers... Is when you get something that's too important to immediately throw away, but not important enough to actually do anything about, it goes on top of the pile of papers, which works uh, until the next item goes on top of it, right? Or maybe for you, you don't have a pile of papers, but you've got this like, uh, it used to be a fruit bowl. And it's, now it's just filled with like little um, pins and uh, the, a spare key and um, some of those little bread tags that go in there. And, and maybe the, something that you were supposed to return to the neighbors six months ago, but you didn't. You, so you put it in the bowl and it's still in the bowl. And um, these things, they live in our homes. And the idea is that we put things there that are important, but the reality is. They often just get forgotten. They become unseen, and because they're unseen, the temptation is it becomes forgotten. I wonder if a lot of us, and you know, you might you might have this in your bank account. You look at your bank balance and you think actually things are okay, but there is an unseen credit card balance which offsets how good it is. And because it's unseen, it can be forgotten. Maybe it's like a spade that's leaning up against the side of your house, and it's been there long enough so that you don't see it anymore. And it's going rusty, and it has been forgotten. And I want to bring this to you today because I feel like the Holy Spirit, by His very nature, is unseen, and we must not let Him become forgotten. He is unseen, but we must not let him become forgotten. So I'm not going to attempt today to share a whole lot of information, but instead to start us on a journey where we begin as a refresher, or maybe for the first time, uh, begin to intentionally lean in to the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if this is your first time in a church and you're not quite sure what to do, I'm going to pray and in a moment. You can just join in by saying amen at the end. So let's just pray for Holy Spirit to come and do what only He can do. Holy Spirit, we need you in this place. We're not content just to learn information, but we want to hear the tangible, the, the, the audible, the very voice of God. We know that only you can do that. So, Lord, would you come through the power of your spirit this morning and transfer, transform the words that I say out of my mouth into your words straight to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a few months ago, I was getting my hair cut at the barber across the road. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good barber. I'd give them a, like a 6 out of 10 for the barbering side of things, but a 9 out of 10 for catching up on Belfast gossip. <laughs> It's, that's the real reason why I go. You find out all kinds of things, and I want to know, especially I'm personally interested in all of the development that's at the back of the church, so I go and get my hair, dre- hair- cut so that I wouldn't find out all of what's going on in the, in the church. And I was chatting, as you do in the barber shop. I was chatting to this guy, and I said, oh, you know, we're a Pentecostal church. He said, well, what's the difference between a Pentecostal church and an other kind of church? And I said, well, you know, Christians believe that God is a trinity of three persons, that is a trinity of Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, well isn't, don't all Christians believe that? So, so what's the difference with you? And he was, what he was really trying to get at is like, well, there's obviously something that, that you guys have that you want to be different to. And I, I, before we dive into that, I'm not sure that necessarily desiring to be different from all the other Christians is necessarily a good thing. I think it you know, has pros and cons. But, but part of the, the challenge in explaining to somebody the difference between, okay, all Christians believe in the power of the Spirit. Therefore, what is the role of the Pentecostal church? It's almost like the difference between intention and belief. We believe something. But then, but then people who have the intention or the intentionality to work it out actually lean into that. Like, like, like KiwiSaver, it's very hard these days to get free money from anywhere. And the government is going to give you free money to be a part of the Kiwi Saver scheme. And so on paper, that makes KiwiSaver one of the good financial decisions that you'll, that you'll sign up to do. But then it's possible to believe that and still not invest into it. In the same way, it's possible to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but not intentionally invest into the things of the Spirit at a level that will really bless your life. And so we're going to take some weeks to lean into that this morning. You know, in the book of John, Jesus has this meeting with, the prominent, uh, with a prominent religious teacher called Nicodemus. In fact, Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher, And uh, so Jesus calls Nicodemus Israel's teacher, which suggests that he's actually the most prominent religious teacher that they had. And he has this conversation with them, and the whole conversation is recorded in John chapter 3. So Nicodemus and Jesus are having this conversation, and it starts off by Nicodemus saying to Jesus in John chapter um, 3, something to the effect of, I have been observing you, Jesus, I've been observing your ministry, and I can tell from the outset by observing the kinds of things that you're doing and saying, I can tell because of the tangible signs that you come from God. He's saying, I'm standing on the outside, and I'm looking in, and I'm I'm making these judgments based on a purely physical and intellectual approach. I can understand that you must come from God, and he is correct But Jesus' response is fascinating. This is what it says in verse 3. It's up on the screens. Jesus replied and said, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Jesus is saying, you think you see it, but you don't know what you see because you can't stand on the outside judging from a physical and intellectual thing, and you can't judge the things of the Spirit accurately. In order to judge the things of the Spirit, in order to know the things of the Spirit, you have to be in the Spirit, and Holy Spirit needs to reveal that to you. This is why in verse 4 it says, um, Jesus replied, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus responds, How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, every time I've heard this passage taught, it seems to suggest that this guy does not see the metaphor that Jesus is saying. It seems to suggest that that people would say, Nicodemus thinks that Jesus is speaking literally. But here is a man whom from he was a young boy has been trained in scriptural metaphor. Like this is his life's work. So I find it really hard to believe this thought that Nicodemus could not see that Jesus was speaking metaphorically. I think Nicodemus says, I hear your metaphor of being born again, and I'm responding with a metaphor of my own, and the metaphor of my own says that is simply not possible. Jesus is saying, uh, you're using the old life of pride, position, and intellectualism Instead of allowing new life from God to come in to make you new on the inside through being born again. And he he responds like saying, New life, new life on the inside, the idea that, that that all of the things of the past are now fading away, and now I need to latch hold to the power that is coming through Christ. Being born again, that's just not possible. But Nicodemus is wrong. And so we go through all of that to get to some key um, points about how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, okay, let, let, let's set, set aside all of, the, all of the intellectualism, all of the pride and position, and let's get to the heart of the matter. Verse 5, Jesus answers, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. This is the key metaphor I want us to get this morning. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Well, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Flesh gives birth to flesh. All right, Stop it, sorry, you're being weird. Um, flesh gives birth to flesh. The physical world reproduces the physical world. But if you want to observe and to participate and experience in something that more than what you can touch, feel, or see, then you need to step out from the place of flesh and step into the place of the Spirit and engage the Spirit within you. So when Holy Spirit speaks, He speaks to your spirit first. He's like like the wind. You experience Him before you understand Him. If you're walking down the road and um, you notice a very strong, um, warm wind blowing from the west, you experience that in Christchurch, and then your mind says, oh, that must be a Norwester. I heard someone say that that would be blowing in this afternoon, but you experience it first. That is the way of the Spirit. You know, it can be hard and frustrating to not understand something with our minds, you know, when I was at university, I studied physics and maths, and uh, many people kind of talk about that as if that might be a barrier to the things of the spirit, but for me, it wasn't. For me, it wasn't a barrier, because in studying um, physics and maths, the disciplines which we, where we try and describe the things of nature with equations and numbers, it becomes very obvious very quickly that those disciplines are wildly insufficient, wildly insufficient. Like they, can, like they can describe some areas okay, but most areas not okay. And so for me, this became a confirmation that the things of the Spirit are not what we can touch, feel, or understand. The point that Jesus is making here is that God Himself, in the Spirit of God, cannot be understood by a purely word-based intellectual experience. Which can't, can't happen we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows wherever it pleases not conforming to our human-based expectations the reason why I'm wanting to share this with you this morning is because so often the Holy Spirit speaks in ways that are first felt in our spirits and if we've been lear- if we've learned over life or conditioned to suppress our emotions, to attempt to understand God first with our minds, then by blocking out the stirrings of the Spirit, what we're actually doing is blocking out the voice of God in our lives. If we don't understand the way Spirit works, then the unseen can become the forgotten. Forgotten. But instead, if we train ourselves to listen to the quiet stirrings uh, that are underneath the noise of life, then we can begin to hear the voice of God at a new level. Uh, One example for me in my life, I was at university, and and a friend of the family came over and invited me to go and teach in Pakistan that summer. And uh, when I prayed about it, um, what I felt was just a, a, a slight excitement and a slight peace in my life, and I felt nothing more. And, um, and so the, answer, the question then is, how then were you sure that God was calling you to go to Pakistan in the summer? And the answer is, of course, I was not actually sure. Not, not even halfway sure. But I knew enough from God to take a single step of faith, and in taking that step of faith, I placed myself in another position where there was an increased peace in my heart. You might say, Pete, Pakistan is a dangerous place, and you'd be correct. (laughs) In fact, that summer, it was particularly dangerous. The nation went into a two-week lockdown because there was rioting in just about every main center, including our town. And uh, I spent two weeks reading, the only books we had was Maeve Binchy romance novels. <laughs> so I read a few of those and um, stayed well away from the windows. And um, But the question is is not how can you be sure. The question is do you know enough to take a single step of faith? You might face a job decision. Should you take one job or another? Should you stay in a job or leave for another one? And as you pray, you might get a quiet sense uh, to stay or a quiet sense to go. And you don't quite understand that sense because on paper, it doesn't make sense. Maybe the Lord's leading you to enter a particular role which actually pays less or in a different part of the city or, or for some reason, there's risk involved. But the real question is not, do all of those, are all of those things factors? The real question is, do you know enough to make a step of faith. It would be a great pity not to receive the full blessing of God from a particular season of life because we prioritized our minds over our spirits and His leadings. Some might have called it the God nudge, just something in your spirit that just, just twists slightly and tells you to do something that you don't fully understand, something even minor and small, to go down a particular way home or to reach out to somebody and encourage a particular person in a way that you don't understand. Let's not have the unseen become the forgotten because we don't fully understand it. So I want to share with you just two two thoughts. And uh, this is a warning. Then we're going to go into some Holy Spirit ministry And so if the Lord's stirring you through this, just prepare yourselves, because I'm going to give you a chance to come forward and be prayed for as the team come at that point. My first thought is this, is that the Holy Spirit is spirit. Now, this is quite an obvious statement. I understand that. It's kind of, the clue is in the name, you know. (laughs) But so often we, we relate to spirit, a Holy Spirit, in a way that is not spirit. We try and understand him first with our minds and we wonder why we miss him. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. This is partly the rebuke of Jesus to Nicodemus. Nicodemus thinks that he can understand things of the spirit from his mind and Nicodemus is wrong. And so are we. What does this mean? It means that your next step Maybe to increase your openness to the Holy Spirit by accepting He may move in a way that your mind does not fully understand. To accept that as okay, God's gonna stir me in some ways. And he's going to lead me in some ways. And my mind is not going to understand it. My parents are not going to get it. My husband or wife may even think I'm nuts. But I'm going to move that way anyway because I believe that Holy Spirit is spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 talks about um, the situation that we often find ourselves in when we're being stirred by the Spirit. And the question is, well, how do you know it's actually from God? And the Bible talks about the role of discernment in this situation. Because just because uh, somebody says they're being stirred from God in a particular area doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually on point and they're hearing from God. They might be hearing from God and they might be getting stirred in their own um, insecurities on the way down and the way out. That can happen. That often happens. And, um, And so God has placed in our spirits a sense of discernment so that we are to carefully weigh things that are going on around us. Openness does not mean that you have to accept every weird thing that people claim to be speaking what God says. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 talks about the prophetic, but this is a, a principle for lots of different areas. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is being said. He's saying the the, the problem is not the prophetic. The problem is the gift of discernment that we're all to carry. The image is that when somebody brings something to you that they feel from the Lord to share with you, or in this case, your pastor brings a message that he feels is for us right now. Your job is to weigh carefully what is being said. You might go home over lunch and say, Pete was right about this, but wrong about that. And that's okay, because God's actually asking you to do that. That way, the, the pressure is, is on you. <laughs> and then I go home, and I stand before Almighty God, responsible for what I've said. Just saying, this is the flip side of the coin. I'm not trying to you know, blame you or anything. But, but our job is to weigh carefully what is being said. I was, I was listening to a podcast one time, and the guy said that... Um, it was a recording of a church meeting. And the guy said, okay, right now in the meeting, I want us all to get up and we're going to stomp around the room like elephants as a symbol that, God, uh, that we're stomping down the things of the devil. And I thought to myself, I'd never done anything like that. In fact, I'd never even heard of things like that going on in a church service. Um, I was like, oh, this that's, that's seems a bit odd. Um, but I just felt a prompt to get up and do it. So I did the first thing that you would do, which is to close the door, you know, (laughs) and start stomping around, and at the same time just trying to weigh what is it that's being said. Is this something that's just weird, or is this something that's actually powerful and of God? And as I stomped around the room, like that, like just... As I stomped around, I felt something in my spirit stir. That's saying, "Yeah, you're taking authority in the name of Jesus." There's something in this place, and so, and so, so that's what that's what we're talking about. When we say, "Holy Spirit is spirit," is that we're to listen with our spirits. We're also to discern with our spirits. So the issue is not whether weird things are okay or not. Uh, they might be weird and good. They might be weird and not good. But uh, our ability to away- weigh what is being said. Holy Spirit is spirit. We relate spirit to spirit, not mind to spirit. The second thought for this morning is that Holy Spirit is a person and not a power. The Bible teaches that Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He's a person. He's not an impersonal power like electricity or nuclear power, but instead he is a person. And how do we know this? There's all kinds of scriptures in the uh, New Testament that demonstrate the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's a couple of them. First one is that uh, Paul is minister- on, on a missionary journey. And he's trying his best to, to hear from God. He's trying his best to kind of just sense where the doors are opening for his missionary journey. And he gets to the border of Mysia, And this is where it says in Acts 16, verse 7, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. We don't know why the Spirit of Jesus stopped them from entering Bithynia, but what we do know is that He did stop them. So, so they're not traveling around with this kind of wind at their back, this impersonal impartation that just kind of honors them wherever they go. They're following the Holy Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is, has the power to make decisions. That's how we, part of the reason we know the Holy Spirit is a person and not a power. Powers are impersonal. Powers do not make decisions. Powers are controlled. We also see that uh, Spirit is a person and that he can be grieved. Like any relationship we have, there are things that you can do to build trust and to build closeness. And there are things you can do to grieve the other person. I've heard it said one of the things that grieves Holy Spirit the most is rebellion. He asks you to do something, you don't do it. It's just like any relationship we might have. Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, powers like electricity or nuclear power are fundamentally, for most of us, unknown. I got this picture as I was praying this morning. And, um, and there's a very good reason why I never open up any light switch box. Even if the power was turned off, I probably wouldn't do it. I'm never going to open it up because there's something unknown. I'm going to turn this thing off. There's something unknown about the power that lurks in the walls. So what what does a normal person do with electricity? A normal person keeps it locked in the walls. We're happy to receive the blessing. We're happy to receive the light. We're happy to receive the heat from the heater, but we want to keep it firmly locked away as possible in its place, and blessing us. Holy Spirit is not like that. And it's, but so many of us relate to Holy Spirit like we're prepared to catch the heat. We want to get the favor, but we want to keep him locked away in the walls with the light switch off. Powers need to be controlled. Powers create fear of the unknown. We put sails on a ship to control the wind. We put drainage uh, to control the ro- To control the rain, and we don't know how, if we don't know sorry, let me try that again. If we don't know how to control a power, then we don't engage with it, or we turn it off. Taking this approach with the Holy Spirit won't lead us where we need to go. He cannot be controlled, but he can be known as a friend. He is powerful, but he is not a power. So instead we relate to him as a person. He's a person in that he's trustworthy. Trustworthy with our best interests, with your future at heart. He's a person in that we can have a relationship with him. Allow him to speak to us and allow him to guide us. He lives inside us and does the journey of life with us. He's a person in that we can have unity with him. We can learn to love and want the things he wants and love the things he loves. And find ourselves in unity with the Spirit and finding ourselves in the very presence of God in doing his will. He can either be a person or a power. We need to relate to him as a, as a person. You know, in many ways, the difference between the two is a bit like this. Perhaps uh, you get an email in your inbox from the IRD, and the IRD says, good news, you've overpaid your taxes by 200 bucks. And, oh, wow, that's, that's great. And if that happened to you, you'd be pleased. There's not, no one in this room who'd feel like, oh, rats, you know. Everyone would be like, oh, stoked. That's relating to Holy Spirit like he's a power. You don't have a relationship with the IRD. They're not being nice by giving you their money, your money back. They're just doing the things that they've been set up to do. Instead, if a friend comes to you and says, you know what, I think you're awesome. I think you're so kind. I think the power, the blessing of God is on your life. And I can see him moving in you. And I was praying for you two months ago. And I felt like God told me to start saving money. And so every week for the last 10 weeks, I've been putting $20 aside. And I want to gift this to you because I love you. And I want you to take that. I want you to go off and do something nice with it. If that was the situation then it's so, so different because in both situations there's 200 bucks, but in one of those situations there's love, there's care, there's relationship, there's friendship. In one situation you're just lucky, and in the other situation you're loved. When we relate to Holy Spirit as a person, we become loved, we are loved. We relate to Him in love. Holy Spirit is a person and not a power. As we Invite the team to come forward. I want to mention again the power of intentionality. And maybe even go back to that original idea, that metaphor that you've got these pile of papers, things that were important and have now been forgotten. And I know in our home... (laughs) Those papers get gone through every once in a while. And that portion of our kitchen bench becomes clear. And and it's, it's not enough to say, "Oh, I went through those papers 2 years ago." I did it once. So no, no, this is something you'll do every time. Every once in a while, just say, "Okay, have I placed the Holy Spirit?" in an area where it's now tempting for him to become forgotten. And so we lean in with intentionality. We give him fresh permission to say, Holy Spirit, if there's any area of my life where I've taken back permission from you to move, I release that right now. Maybe you're here today and you want to experience God in a fresh way. Maybe you're here and Holy Spirit's even saying to you, you know, you, you need to release permission again. You need a fresh infilling again. Maybe even as I'm speaking, you're feeling a little nudge to take a next step. Don't wait till week four before you come forward and receive prayer. Start now, because if you start now, then, then there's all this time for you to explore the depths of God. We'd love to pray for you and believe for you to God, to, uh, for God to speak to you, and for the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. God, we just come before you in this time. We thank you that you are a speaking God. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is grace-filled. That no matter what we've said or done in the past, you give us today is a fresh opportunity to come into a, a fresh knowledge of you. Holy Spirit, you come and move in this place. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christ church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10 a.m.